Hello, I'm Rex Baker, your host, and welcome to God After Dark, a podcast produced by Gateway Rescue Mission, where we take situations where God shows up in the darkness of life and does a miracle. Today, we're going to be talking about a little different angle on some, some stories, and that is it's sort of a hot-button social issue. We don't get into those a lot typically, but but we did have this one situation with one person, and that person is Andre Davis. And Andre came up against the state's three strikes law that basically says if you if you are convicted or plead guilty to a third charge, then you can be put away for potentially up to life. So Andre. Um, you went through our new life program, you graduated the program, but you still had this legal situation hanging over your head. So kind of tell us what was going on with that. First of all, I was on drugs real bad. And, um, my MO was attempted, was a house burglary. And, um, I guess it just caught up with me. And, um, my last straw was attempted house burglary. And when I went to court, they tried to give me 25 to life. And um, I really didn't know how to handle the situation until I got Mr. Ford and Brad and um, Pastor Sweet involved. I mean, they stuck with me from the beginning to the end, and um, I really thanked them for that. And um, the lawyer I had, she was she was real, you know, and she stuck by me, and she told me, she said, um, I'm not going to let you go to jail, Mr. Davis. I'm going to work with you as hard as I can, and she did that, and um like I say, Gateway has really been a true blessing to me since I've been there. And um, I just can't stop thanking them for the things they have done for me since I've been there. And um, I just hope and pray that I continue to just, just stay focused on God and just, just keep doing the right thing so I don't have to go back through that kind of situation anymore. And um, I pray about my situations every day now to God. And God, he He reveals a whole lot to me, you know. He's asking me just just stay still, you know. He he got plenty of blessings for me, so I just try to be the best I can around Gateway. Okay, and um, well, th- thank you, Andre. I, what I wanted to do, you, you mentioned some of the people that are on staff at Gateway Rescue Mission and the role they played in your situation, but I want to go back to the house burglary charge or attempted house burglary, specifically what what happened that day that you remember. Um, I remember riding the bike that morning and I seen this house. It looked like it was empty, but when I got closer, it was. So I went to the front door and looked in. I didn't see any furniture in the house. So they had a ring doorbell and the lady had already seen me on the phone when she was at work. So I knocked the ring doorbell off the house. They couldn't see me anymore. So I entered the back and looked in. There was some boxes packed on the floor and, um, I couldn't get in because they had two deadbolt locks, one on the inside and one on the outside. So I didn't try to force no entrance because I didn't have any burglary tools. So once I got back to the front, the police was already around there waiting on me. So Did you actually make it into the house? No, sir, I did. So you didn't make it into the house? No, sir. Uh, you kind of banged around on the back door. Right. You knocked the ring doorbell off. Right. And uh, for that, and, and I'm not saying that, that people should not have to pay up price for for a crime but for walking around the back door kicking around a little bit looking inside they called the police and you were facing what 25 to life for the attempt to house burglary charge what happened then i mean this has been uh, we've been working with you on this 
this ordeal, but what what were you, what was going through your mind when you were thinking that you might be uh, going away for a long time over an attempted burglary where you never really even made it inside the house? Well, I was thinking every day that, you know, I had a lot of stuff on my mind that I wanted to do, but God, like I say, he revealed a lot of things to me. He asked me to be still, so I did. I showed no I showed no concern that 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 people can can see that, you know, I was worried about things, but I, I was, but I didn't show it, you know. A few people knew I, I, I was going through it, you know what I mean? So I rem- I remember that, that, that you seemed very calm on the outside. Uh, considering all that you were going in, go, going through there. So I want to bring into the conversation now Foree Ford, who is our Director of Programs at uh, Gateway Rescue Mission. Foree, you, you played a big part in Andre and his situation. So why don't you begin, kind of walk us through where you come in on all this and, and, and what transpired from your point of view. Well, my position at the program as director is to uh, support our clients as much as we can. Uh, And uh, Andre was uh, one of our folks that we knew had some significant legal consequences that he had to face. One of we we always tell him, look, you once you get yourself clean and sober, because he was an addict. You know, he'd come to us uh, where he had had some ongoing. addiction issues. I think he had gone to state hospital and came to our program, and he was also a part of the drug court, local drug court that we have. And uh, Andre had those charges hanging over his head, and what we did, uh, since he told me what he what was going on with him, uh, with his charge, you know, I said attempted house burglary, that could have been malicious mischief, those kind of things. So we kind of started to talk to his public defender, and just and my thing was to get her to know him as a person, not just a number, because they have so many people that come through that system. And so once uh, we took Andre down there and introduced him personally to her, she put a face to the case, okay? And so with that being said, uh, she was a— fo- ex-police officer, as well as a lawyer, but she was an ex-police officer, and she didn't think the charges were correctly done. Andre was definitely under influence when the attempted burglary happened. Uh, we saw some videotape of his confession, and uh, we saw that he was not of himself, and they were pretty well leading him with the questions. Long story short, uh, we worked with him, and one of the investigators with the public defender's office was actually from Andre's neighborhood, kind of knew him and his family and knew the people that owned the house that Andre had attempted to burglarize. And, and, and once he talked to them, because the owner was out of town, and he got a hold of her and family and uh, discussed with them, and they said, well, nothing was broken in, nothing was taken uh, maybe the ring camera, you know, can reimburse us for that. But we don't want to see anybody go to prison for that. So that kind of helped with it. The main thing, though, was the public, the, the DA, the district attorney, was adamant. She didn't want to budge off of what she wanted. She wanted 25 years to life. Uh, that's where prayer came in. We really had to pray a lot. 
And uh, over the time, the public defender talked to her. The judge kind of was was sort of in the middle of it, but he couldn't make a decision because in those cases, it's up to the state. And uh, finally, in the end of it, she changed her mind at the last minute. It was a last-minute call. And when we went there, in fact, they uh, let him go. He's got probation, I think, or parole for five years, but that's all he's got to do is go there, visit, stay clean, stay sober. He's in a, at our facility. Uh, we want to help him as much as we can. But that's one of those things that uh, I always say, a but God. He was headed to prison, but God intervened and gave him a second chance. And that's what we are. We're a program of second chances. And when you say uh, last minute, it literally was the day, wasn't it, that that uh, Andre went in to basically correct, find out his Correct, correct. I had talked to the uh, public defender, and she really didn't know specifically. She said that there was a possibility she didn't know. But once they got in there that day, that actual day, that's when the, the prosecuting attorney said, okay, she would go with the, the offer that the public defender had put out there. And the judge was fine with that. This is a situation where ultimately the system got it right. That you were about to send somebody away for 25 years to the rest of their life over a misdemeanor type situation. And the system got it right. What I wonder about, though, is if Andre had not had you, Mr. Ford, and others on the Gateway staff to go down and advocate for him, to support him, how things might have turned out. It could have turned out a lot differently um, because they have so many people that come through the system, and a lot of them don't have the support of the outside support that Andre had because he came through Gateway. And uh, we've been working with the courts uh, with many people over the years, and so, you know, knowing the system, it's, it's about, like I said, it's about putting a face on the case. And, and that's what we did. We put the face. And, and Andre's not a bad guy. We, we pretty well know him. We, he's been around us a couple of years, so we know his heart. And he's not a bad guy, but he's had some bad breaks, and like a lot of us have had bad breaks. And uh, once God gives us the opportunity to, uh, shine to excel to 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 do what the things that he wants us to do. Then we we wind up okay. Andre had a drug problem, and uh, and that's that's what we're doing in society. We're taking addicts who uh, break some law. I'm not saying they're they're innocent, but we're we're locking them up by the tens of thousands across the country when their real their real problem is is that they have an addiction. One thing this case brings to my mind is I get the question a lot, Mr. Ford, you probably do too. Kind of like, what all do y'all do down there at the rescue mission? It's kind of like a, we we feed people, we house people. So sometimes that creates a stereotype where we uh sit around making soup all day long. <laughs> And and that's that's about that sometimes is what people see, but this is a situation that says we we can say to the public, to our supporters, to our friends that we have people on staff who are advocates 
who are defenders, who are counselors, who are prayer warriors, who are confidants, friends to, to a lot of the people coming through the mission that join our program, like, like Andre. And so that goes on behind the scenes. It goes on away from public life. It's not the story that usually the, the media wants to cover when they come around. No knock on them, but it's just uh, something that goes on sort of under the rate. But, but we're like the iceberg. The tip of the iceberg, what you see above it is that we feed people, we, we house people. Below the iceberg is 90% of what we do, which is getting involved in people's lives, helping them overcome addictions, helping them work through life problems. And so, Andre, I just want to say to you that I am I'm proud of you. You uh, have stuck with the program, and you have overcome. So let me kick it back to you now, Andre. What What's... What's next for Andre Davis? To be honest, Mr. Baker, um, I'm in the process of finding a job, something I really can do and um, so I can pay my fine. And um, once I pay that fine, they're going to cut my probation in half, and I only have to serve like two and a half years on probation. And then my plan was just going on home to um, help my mom out because she's been very sick. So, And wh- where is home for you? Um, North Jackson. Yes, sir. Well, I know one thing I have, I've seen, we, we all do sometimes, I've seen people out there, out on the streets, who probably needed to be in prison, but they're not. But Andre, you are not the kind of guy that the state of Mississippi needs to be spending money on to keep you locked up. You are productive, you are a good person, and I want to commend you for that, for getting help for your addiction through drug court, through uh, other programs, and through our programs. But th- I, I want to share one thing. Uh, that I just pulled this off the website of Prison Fellowship. Prison Fellowship is the prison ministry that was founded by the late uh, Charles Colson, who, who uh, came out of Watergate, went to prison, and then founded uh, Prison Fellowship. This is what uh, they say on, on the the front page of their Prison Fellowship website. According to Prison Fellowship, the United States imprisons more of its citizens than any other nation, currently more than 1.8 million people. While more than 600,000 Americans are released from correctional facilities annually, two-thirds are rearrested within three years. Each year, The nation spends over $80 billion to incarcerate and re-incarcerate people. Beyond the financial impact, the cycle of crime and incarceration produces broken relationships, victimization, despair, instability, impacting families and communities across the nation. Clearly, something is not working. Also, there are 1.5 million children in the country with a parent in prison. Now, I'm not making these numbers up. I'm not out on some social justice crusade here. I'm just pointing out that we have a problem. We are, we are literally locking up millions of people who don't really need to be there. They need help for an addiction. Instead, we're, we're, we're putting them in prison. So, let's get back to the words of Jesus here. Jesus said... This is out of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, 18 and 19. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are downtrodden, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And sometimes when, I, when I've read that, you, you see this, this little phrase in there, he, he uh, sent me to proclaim release to the captives. And I'll sort of make that an analogy of, well, that's for anybody who's in, in some kind of bondage or an addiction or a problem. But I think Jesus is speaking. Part of his reason for coming was to set people free who were captives. And there's, they had them then, and we have them today. And uh, Jesus takes seriously how we treat poor people, and I believe he has a call on us as, as followers of Christ to also be there to help rehabilitate people who have uh, gotten caught up in the legal system. Brother Ford, I'll bring you in uh, for, one, for one last uh, remark here on your view, because this is your world. You live it every day. I mean, you've got <laughs> been over there in your office. You've got people knocking on the door all day long. What is your take on this whole thing with, with? Uh, and I'm not, I'm not asking you to be political. I just want to, you know, what kind of a, where, where are we in addressing uh, the problem of incarceration right here in the state of Mississippi? Well, Mr. Beck, I think... Um Incarceration, as you mentioned, is needed in some uh, instances. Uh, it can act as a deterrent. But uh, when you're talking about addiction specifically, if we want to put it into the addiction, uh, a lot of it is is coming from a need to feel that hole inside of yourself. And a lot of folks get caught up with that. The addiction serves to feel that. It medicates whatever's wrong with them whatever they're going through, maybe mentally, emotionally, sometimes even physically. But I think that hole can only be filled by God. It's a God-shaped hole. Uh, And that's what we offer for them, not only the psychological part. You know, we deal with the addictions and all the everything we do there, but we also look at the spiritual side. And we want to introduce them to Christ. That's it. Once we introduce them to him and his love, I think a lot of them don't have that love. I talked to some of them last night. We did a service, and and the thing I said is a lot of you don't even love yourself, but we've got somebody who loves all of us regardless. So just come as you are, and he will take care of you. Andre, one last question. How, over the last while of dealing with all of this, how much praying you've been doing? I pray every day, Mr. Baker. I just can't stop it. Thanking God for how much, how good he's been to me, you know, how he's took control of my life, you know. I'm just going to stay in the Word and stay focused on him, and I'm just going to continue to take one day at a time. And I want you to know something. There's somebody looking at you. There's somebody coming into our program right now that is looking at you, and they're saying, well, this guy, he's got a little something about you. You may not know who that is today. I don't either. But you are serving as a testimony to somebody else who needs to know that there's hope right now. And that's the beauty of how this thing works. God changes us. Then he gives us the the platform to go out and, and be an example to what he can do and make somebody else want what you have. All right, folks, we're going to wrap it up. 
This is God After Dark. I'm Rex Baker, a production of Gateway Rescue Mission. And we've been talking with Mr. Andre Davis, who went through our program and of, of our new life program at Gateway, and uh, Forey Ford, our program director. Thank you both for joining us today. And uh, we're going to close out this episode of God After Dark.